Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello everyone, it's me and Keith, we're back. Trash Heap uh, is here again. Uh, what is this? The A Chronicles Part Three? <laughs> yeah, howdy, partner. Loving this energy from you today. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, it's I. It's despite the kind of lackluster, lethargic opening, I'm, I'm I'm actually full of energy today. I'm wide awake. I got up early. Uh, I've had a cup of coffee and a cup of tea. I just dusted the light fixture in my bathroom and I ate an egg sandwich. I'm good to go. Wow. Did you do any pull-ups? Like, are Not you one to- of those guys who has like the the pull-up? apparatus in your in your door jam i don't have that no sometimes i might do like three push-ups in the morning though just to get the ball rolling oh but, yeah uh, but i threw my back out this week so i'm not doing any of that stuff what does that mean i've i've always asked people who throw their back out and i've definitely done it once or twice but yes what does it mean when you throw your back out i don't think that i've ever heard like a concise definitive answer about what is happening like what's like what's happening to your body yeah so what's is it the hap- seizing of muscles is your spine like like in the wrong shape like what's happening so in basically what's happening is there's a, a group of muscles that wrap around your spine and support it and you are essentially just pulling or straining one of those muscles so your back can't properly support to, to, to support your spine, your back has to exert itself, and that's what causes the pain or uh, you, the hunched-over effect because it's just basically one of those things that's keeping your body from staying upright is not working. Oh. So, that, yeah, that's pretty much it. You see people think it's, it's the spine that hurts, but it's actually the muscles around the spine. Oh. And what can you do about those muscles? Can you, like... Through, through a stre- series of stretching and movements, can you prevent yeah, that in the future? You can, yeah. Stretching will definitely help prevent it, and if it happens, you can stretch to help make it feel better. But sometimes, when it first happens, even stretching is out of the question because you can't even really get it. If it's bad enough, you can't even really get in the stretching position. Interesting. Luckily, luckily, it hasn't been that bad for me this time. It's a, more of a mild uh, back back throwing outage. Nice. And do you just wait it out, or do you do you try to address it with uh, pharmaceuticals? You know, the pharmaceuticals really don't help me too much. Ah. Uh, Mus- so muscle relaxers? I have taken muscle relax, like prescription muscle relaxers, and those will help, but, you know, you either have to go to a doctor to get them or just have some sketchy friend give you some. And uh, well, who knows? They could be giving you Flintstones chewable morphine instead. That's true, you know. You never know with those pills, you know. People yeah, people can 3D print pills now. That's disgusting. Welcome to the future. Yeah, so normally I just, when it happens, I just try and do some stretches and uh, wait it out as best as possible. Well, excellent. Well, we're all pulling for you. We'll have Thanks. our fingers crossed that uh, you get through this quickly and can hey, get I'm, back I'm, to... Uh, I'm, on the, I'm on the mend. Nice. Now, if so, this yeah. were the distant future, and if we were in space, you could just get, in, get inside some kind of a medical pod, and uh, they'd fix you right up. Yeah, well, you know, we're all waiting for that day, but until it comes. Yeah, instead of medical pods, we have uh, 
non-fungible tokens of people dunking basketballs. Uh, huh? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't, what else okay. do we have? I'm trying to look around my here and see if there's anything from the future. I normally no, just, I just lay have on, a bunch of paper clips. I normally just lay on the couch when I throw my back out. Or nice. you know those uh, camping chairs that like unfold. It's basically just like a sack supported yeah. by. That's the most comfortable thing to sit in when oh. I throw my back. So it's like being in a sling. So that's why yeah. they put Bruce Wayne when he broke his back in The Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. They they just hung him by a rope and let him dangle there. I, I'm, that must be the case. Do you? I mean, do you buy that? Like I, if you had a broken back, like he pushed, what does the guy do? He pushes the vertebrae and he's a doctor, but like, there's only so much a doctor can do with their knowledge and experience in those circumstances. He he pushes the vertebrae back in because it's protruding and then they just hang him by a rope and let him dangle there until his back heals. I will actually, you know, uh, when you're, when your back's messed up, and like I said, the muscles aren't properly supporting it, you do have a lot of spinal compression. So that's why you see those inversion tables that like hang you up upside down. Right. And basically, it just lets your spine separate out. So while there's probably little actual doctoring going on in that movie, there is like at least the the <laughs> concepts of like this is a thing that people do, you know. So. Yeah, I think it would probably be a harder road to recovery for him, but it's fine for the movie. So essentially you're saying don't overthink it, pal. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Well, let's just be clear. Here's the disclaimer. We are not doctors or medical professionals. Please do not try any of this shit at home. Do not sit in a camping chair to try and cure your broken back. No. (laughs) This has not been evaluated by... But if you do, let us know how how that works out for you. I say it works. For, I like it. It works for me. Anyway. Yeah, we're we not are. here to talk about back, backs. We're here to talk no. about eggs because this yeah, is the Egg eggs. Chronicles Part egg 3. Egg Chronicles Part 3, uh, more alien movies. We're trudging our way through the entire series, and we now we're from, into the the darkest corners yeah, of the alien we're, universe. We're not even in sequels anymore. We're in prequel territory now. We got Prometheus and Alien Covenant today. Keith, are you? How are you feeling? Are you feeling a little xenomorphed out, or are you you all you got extra xenomorph juice in you? I am pretty thrilled to be talking about this stuff because this is really where the you, you talk about Alien Three. There's still people clinging to Alien Three and Alien Resurrection as the death of the series, but Prometheus, especially, is bandied about as the series killer, the franchise killer, the the nail in the coffin. What is Ridley Scott doing? What is this nonsense? Wow, what has he done? Uh, just, uh, you know, sound sound the alarm because everything alien is kaput. But I don't buy that for a second, and uh, I think it'll be pretty fun to, to get into the nitty-gritty and figure out yeah. whether or not uh, this series is dead or not. And the spoiler alert is it's not because people can keep making movies as long as they want to, and That's the fans true. can do nothing about it. Well, it's also like uh, we you you screwed all the stuff up, and then who we all go and see the movies when they come out? Like we go and see these 
shitty movies again and again and again and then complain that they keep making them. Yep. No, <laughs> that wasn't right. No, that wasn't right. <laughs> right. No, that yeah. wasn't right. But we'll, yeah, we'll just keep going back to the, the feeding trough and slurping down more mm-hmm. alien movies. I will. I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't upset me. It doesn't bother me. No. I don't think any anything truly dies and I don't think subsequent sequels and other movies can ruin something that was already good and great. I know that whole notion is just so absurd. But by the same token, I do think that sometimes subsequent sequels can make previous movies better. So, I'm still op- open to the it, idea yes. that maybe it can be ruined, but I don't know. Well, honestly, the only time I feel like a subsequent sweet sequel can make something better or worth if it's part of like a definitive trilogy, like something like that, like the story is not completed until these two, three, four movies come out. But if it's just a sequel that's picking up from a standalone movie, it doesn't really matter if it's good or bad in terms of how how the, the its predecessor stands, you know? And and with something like Aliens, I mean, we already talked about with Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, sort of accepting that this is the same Ripley character or, you know, the Ripley character is the the common thread, but these movies sort of exist in their own vacuums. Sure, absolutely. Um, And obviously Alien 3 is tied to uh, Aliens, but at, at a certain point it abandons that and it just becomes Ripley's story. And I think... We get a similar scenario here where uh, these two movies stop becoming about uh, monsters in space and it becomes David's story. Yeah. Well, I think we said last time uh, Alien 3 was the first movie in the franchise where it being a movie about xenomorphs possibly holds it back a little bit because it makes it feel a little too familiar, even though there's a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, This is a movie that Prometheus, I think, is the movie that is 100% the most uh, hindered by the fact that it includes xenomorphs, because this really isn't a movie about xenomorphs. Um, And I don't really think it should be. I think, not to get too far ahead, but I think this would be a better movie if it was just a movie that everything was the same but it was not connected to the alien universe yeah i think that's a great point because it prometheus really was an exploration of ideas and nobody wanted to explore ideas they wanted to see aliens run around in space again or go to the alien home world or uh learn about these engineers and even though that seemed like is what was what was being promised, that's not what was delivered. Right. Well, what is the basic prim- premise of Prometheus? I mean, I'm assuming most people who are listening to this have probably seen it, but just for those who don't, or haven't, or need a refresher, what's the basic premise? Yeah, I mean, let's take it back all the way to 2012, and um, there's some archaeologists sort of exploring, uh, you know, who created the human race, and they're following, you know cave paintings and evidence on earth and uh, that evidence takes them all the way into space uh, and they follow a star map that uh, you know points them to the origin of humanity on a far-off planet uh, and that uh, that trip happens to be funded by uh, Charles Wayland Peter Wayland or oh, Peter Wayland that's right God you son of a bitch I uh, see I'm thinking of uh, I still got alien 3 brain which is Charles oh, gotcha. Char- or maybe it's alien versus predator brain I don't know 
Charles Bishop Wayland. Is that which one's that from? Oh, I think that's that from might... AVP. I think that I think you're correct. Yeah, oh, but yeah, it's Peter Wayland as portrayed by Guy Pierce in ridiculous old age makeup. Yeah, so we get this ragtag group of scientists uh, shipping off uh, to uh, some godforsaken rock at the ass end of space, and uh, you know, to see if uh, they can see the face of God, essentially. Yeah. But it starts out; it doesn't start out that way. Like it's the first, uh, you know, minute of the movie is we see the face of God in the form right. of the engineer, uh, you know, slugging down a Red Bull and then. Uh, you know, melting into a bunch of goo and essentially, uh, you know, starting uh, the life cycle. Yeah, you know, honestly, as was my interpretation. Yes, absolutely. I one hundred percent agree with you. I don't have a lot of when it comes to this movie. I don't have a lot of juicy hot takes or anything. Pretty much, my opinion of it is the general opinion uh, that you kind of find that it has some really cool ideas, some awesome scenes, and then some really really dumb stuff in it. But that opening scene. It's possibly one of my favorite scenes in any opening scene in any science fiction movie. It's exciting and it's fascinating and it gets your your mind going. Uh, I love everything about it. Yeah, it's like from the from one. I love the fact that just from the onset tonally, it's so different from anything we've seen in any alien movie up to this point. So it already is in that sense jarring because it, it's subverting any type of expectation. It's beautiful. You know, you just get these landscape shots and then you just kind of see the shadow very subtly of the alien spaceship flying over Earth, this primordial Earth before any life, animal life has existed. You get this weird shot of this like humanoid person. Yeah, very recognizable, very uh, reminiscent of like Greek statues, right? Yes, yes, yeah, like exactly. It's like it doesn't look that far off from a human, but it, you know, it's not, it's clearly not an earth human yeah and like you said drinks the goo melts falls down into the water and then it gets like a uh, does a shot that i normally don't like in movies where it like zooms in through the body and goes into like the molecular structure with cgi and you see the dna and normally i don't like that i think it's a little corny and unnecessary but it really works in this particularly in the sense of like you were saying it's like this godlike figure sacrificing his body to create life on earth um and kind of guide evolution it's really cool yeah and it's it's such a pivotal moment in the movie i didn't realize this at the time but looking back at it now if you don't surrender yourself to the movie in that first minute it's like either you're you're open to what is coming next no matter what you're just ready to to go where the movie takes you or you have like you know doubled down and and just sort of uh uh you're pushing back against everything that comes next yeah right it's it's so divisive and uh i mean i get it uh you know people just weren't ready for and not to say that this movie is you know i i don't think this is one of those movies that i talk about where it's uh everyone gets mad because it's smarter than they are yeah uh, I don't think that's the case here, but I do think that that people get mad because it it's another situation where this is isn't quite what they were hoping for. Um, well, I mean, it's not. I think the, with the, where this movie really kind of fouls up is it doesn't it doesn't really lean. It, 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 it's not a great 
alien movie and it's not a great this other movie because it's trying to do both and kind of what happens is it ends up not fully succeeding at either one you know well my question is is this a great Blade Runner movie? Because eventually this becomes a story about the mistreatment of a robot and right. him taking his violent, sadistic revenge against humanity. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> that's, the, that's literally the best part of the movie. The only, the only interesting character in the movie, really. I mean, I think that's one of the things that is most criticized about this movie is how shitty the characters are, not just in terms of their behavior, but like how poorly they're written and how these are the worst scientists in the like ever. And frankly, they don't even come across to me as like bad scientists. They come across to me like bad mercenaries, you know? Yeah, that's what uh, on my latest watching was sort of the most perplexing was like these none of nothing about these people, even the main uh, characters Holloway and um, and Shaw. Uh, and Shaw, they don't even seem like particularly good scientists. Like Holloway no. seems like a some kind of like uh, hot shot like adventurer. Like he should be dressed like Indiana Jones. And then Shaw is just going around talking about like belief right. versus like being a scientist. And it's so right. strange. It's like she all of a sudden she's like taking a stand. And it's like well I believe in things. Versus, like, no, there's a method to science, and I'm very, you know, rigid with it. It's kind of wild. It's not even presented in a way where it's, like, uh, like they talk about how her belief, you know, there's, like, this contrast and uh, dilemma and, and this bypass between her, you know, perhaps spiritual beliefs and scientific belief, beliefs, which does come up in uh, Covenant with some other characters and is handled much better. It's just, like, this bizarre thing where she's, like, it's just kind of taken for granted, you know? Uh, that she's a scientist who just chooses to believe things mm-hmm. instead of like actually studying science. Yeah, it's very odd. And you're right too. All the all the other scientists are this like oddball ragtag group of uh, assholes who don't seem to want to be there, even though they were like handpicked and recruited. It's like but they don't. E- they, they don't, don't seem do- interested in science at all or the no. the discovery that they're about they are all sort of skeptics and just like what's this bullshit trip that i signed up for and where's my goddamn money the fucking geologist even says that he goes like i'm only here for one thing the money yeah and, and he's like, got like a mohawk and a tattoo yeah. on his skull and it's and like it's like well, what okay. kind, like it's like why would you hire this guy and these characters don't even know what the mission they're on until they get there. And it's not like they were lied to for security reasons. And they, they said like, oh, we told you this is what you're doing. But we're actually on this top secret alien expedition. They're just straight up like, okay, now that you're awake from your cryo sleep. Yeah, you've been I'm asleep for ex- two years. Now we'll tell you why you, you signed up for this job. Yeah. And like it's kind of recreating that scene in uh, Aliens where they're telling the Marines. But that makes a lot more sense in that scene because basically it's like, okay, Marines, you're shipping out. Like no time to brief you. Like – you just you, – they have to go. They, there's no choice. Well, right? yeah, they also have a a, a, a duty, right? They they sort right. of know the scope of military operations. And they're exactly. also – you know, later on it reveals, you know, they're familiar with bug hunts and, and all yeah, that. Exactly. So it's not – this is out of the, the normal scope of what they do, but they don't know that yet, right? Right. And that's, like, now they're, they, they, they're told that they're going on like some sort of rescue mission and then they get the finer details when they're there. It makes sense. In this movie, it makes literal no sense that nobody has any clue 
why they're on this spaceship. Yeah, and the only the only way they feel they can properly express their disdain for this mission is by abusing the robot that is there to help them. Right. And they just they refer to him as boy. They're constantly remarking that he's not human and doesn't have a soul and he is increasingly nonplussed by this. And it's wild to think that um uh artificial intelligence would be able to become uh self-aware and sort of learn at this rate but i mean he quickly becomes uh uh not an antagonist but he is starting to trade barbs with people and and Mm -hmm. and stand up for himself a little bit and then he starts scheming yeah, he's 100% the most, like, He's also the most qualified scientist, because once they yeah. get to the planet and start poking around in goo and whatever, he's the only one collecting samples and, and actually trying to figure out what is happening. Everybody else is just kind he's of, like, like having a meltdown. Their, and taking off their helmets and rubbing their face in, like, alien guts for fun for so, some reason. <laughs> actually, actually, I will defend the taking off of the helmet, because okay. even though it sort of it violates like any sort of quarantine uh, uh, rules, they have the technology and understanding. They they quickly analyze the air, and uh, that one scientist remarks, "It's cleaner air than Earth." In fact, I know it's just more. It's not the fact that they do it. And it's then Shaw than- Shaw before you get into it, yeah. Shaw is she is so frightened by him removing his helmet. As if she has not even the most rudimentary understanding of scientific data. Well, nobody understands scientific data in this movie. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, obviously, like you're right that they analyze the air and it's fine. But the point that Holloway character, he would have done it regardless. You know, like there's yeah. not. He is one of the most unlikable characters I've seen in a movie, and not in a way that it's like, oh, he's the bad guy and you're supposed to hate him. It's just like like such a schmucky guy who's supposed to be someone you like care about and sympathize with and you really just want him to get run over by a dump truck. Yeah, and he God. throws he throws a huge tantrum as soon as like yeah. he figures out that he's not getting the answers that he wanted. I mean, also, I mean like and I have no problem with like a an arrogant scientist character. That's fine. I mean, I think that's overdone in movies where it's just like, "Oh, the scientist doesn't know what he's talking about." Like he just should have gone with his gut, you know, but I have no problem with that, with that character who's just like, kind of like, I'm, I'm the smartest guy here, but he's, he's not, even, there's no, there's no, nothing's earned with him. Even in that opening scene where they find the cave painting and Shaw is like, she finds the painting and runs out all excited. And she's like, Holloway, get over here, get over here. And like, and he's just like looking at a sandwich and he's like, what? It's yeah. like, I, I don't know if you were like a, an archeologist and you were doing a dig, and someone was like, holy shit. Like, wouldn't you be like, well, what did you find? Instead of just like, I'm busy over here, you know, playing my Game Boy. Yeah, he doesn't have any conviction. So regardless of whether or not, you know, scientists like, say, um, Seth Brundle or uh, mm-hmm. uh, the reanimator, or even like right. the um, the two scientists in uh, Splice, right? They mm-hmm. all share this common trait where they have a conviction about what they're doing. Right. And they're they're committed to it, um, and he never really exhibits any of that. So it's really hard to like. He he doesn't have any sort of palpable enthusiasm for what he's doing, and it's just like 
What what is he even doing here? What is anybody right. doing here? Well, that's the thing. It's like you have it's what's what's is sad about. And I like this movie. I know you know we're like ragging on it pretty hard at this moment. I do enjoy this movie. I think it has a lot of good things in it. No, it's easy is, to pick apart and and yeah and complain about. But at the same time, it's not. There's nothing like glaringly offensive about it. It's a beautiful movie, and it moves along at a good pace, yeah. and looks like a million bucks, and is uh, largely enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like it, what's disappointing is you have some really cool ideas, some really great set pieces, and like you said, it's beautiful. It's all this, um, but then there's like these things that are just like bogging it down yeah. from being a great movie. And you know, it's like no, like no character other than I mean. No character has any sort of like character progressions or learns anything. You know, there's no emotional arcs really. I mean, with Shaw, she's at the end of the movie. I mean, what's this whole premise of this movie? It's about the creation of life and the engineers come to Earth and they create life. And then Peter Wayland, he wants to be like them and he he thinks of himself like as a god, even though he was created by them and he creates david so now he's a he's a god too and then he goes there and then he's shocked that the when they find the engineers that the engineers don't look down upon him and then the same way he looks down upon david and then at the end of the movie shaw just looks at david and goes like well you don't get things because you're a robot and i'm a human and i was just like nothing like the whole premise of this movie your main character doesn't gain any perspective from where at the end from where they started no and his uh his death especially um is pretty disappointing but that's why you know my point stands that this is like about halfway through you realize that this story is not about holloway and shaw this is about david true i agree i agree that it's about david but i think regardless that partially that's not necessarily in disease in design because at the end of the movie Shaw is still propped up as the main protagonist you know and and David is the antagonist well at least that's in the presentation where in reality he is both the antagonist and the protagonist well let me correct you there he's actually none of those things he's just a head in a duffel bag well, at the end of the movie, you're correct. He is a head in a duffel bag, a talking head in a duffel he bag. He is a talking head, and they zip him up, and then they they shoot off to have more space adventures. Shaw and her severed head. Uh, so what do you think about the... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I think you were about to say something. Well, uh, no. Okay. I, I don't know. The thing I really noticed, especially on my, my latest rewatch, was the the abuse the string of abuse that david experiences after being created and understanding that his his creator uh is sort of fallible and mm-hmm. imperfect and then he he david witnesses uh holloway and shaw and the rest of this crew searching for their creator and also being flawed and then he realizes that he has sort of the most power and you know, develops his own God complex and then starts just playing around. Yeah. And we, we get that, that, you know, iconic line of big things have small beginnings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really, there's, there really is so much good going on in this movie, despite the times that it just turns into like bizarre schlock or it just has the, 
the most uh, uh, unlogical character choices, and not like illogical characters doing illogical things because they're panicked or afraid, but just because it was lazy writing or convenient writing or like punchy writing, you know, something that they were trying to elicit something out of you. Which let me let me uh, talk about something here. Um, David Lindenoff did a rewrite on the script. And he's like pretty Wait, is it famous. D- Damon Lindelhoff? Yes, yeah, not David. Damon Lindelhoff, the writer on yeah. Lost, and you know a bunch of sci-fi crap. And this is a guy who's pretty well regarded in in Hollywood and oh yeah, genre I mean, circles. Pe- people love him now because he wrote uh, the Watchmen TV series for HBO, right. which. Um, but I he also of, wrote Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah, this guy's a hack. Which and was every, adapted from a comic book. Right. But I mean, like, I, maybe I should go in a little too far by saying hack, but pretty much everything he's involved in that I've seen has bad qualities to it, and they're all the same bad qualities. So it's I'm, I'm assuming that he is the person who's bringing these bad ideas. Yeah, that may just be his shortcomings. You know, and maybe he gets attached to things that are successful, and then he sort of like he and he was the last person with his fingers on the script or whatever, so he gets credited as that. But there's you I've read you read some of the stuff about Prometheus and some of the the cooler ideas were cut out by him, you know, like he cut out more of the loftier ideas and the you know space exploration and replaced it with just the goofy. Uh, dumb scientists doing dumb things and poking their butts in aliens uh, goo. Uh, <laughs> I will and... say, it, it, the, going back to the dumb scientist thing, mm-hmm. uh, even though uh, the little sort of snake scene with like the white cobra type worm creature is stupid and, and handled very oddly, I still think it's super cool when <laughs> it breaks his arm and then crawls up into his suit and into his mouth. Uh, well, I love that kind thing. of shit. It's, that's the thing. It's not that that scene like is not a cool scene in and of itself. It just doesn't fit into the story we were watching. No. You know? So that's that's what I'm saying, where it's just kind of like you just put things in here because you're like, ah, oh, it would elicit a reaction. And that's just kind of a lazy way to make your movie exciting rather than actually exploring interesting ideas. And obviously, you know, I'm not one who's going to be like, I don't like movies with weird goo and explosions and crap because that's half the movies we talk about. But, you know, it's like they have to fit into the story. You know, it's like, does this make sense here? Or, you know, it's like you're not going to watch some, like, some courtroom drama and expect like an alien to fall out of someone's butt, you know? Right. Or the uh, the Friday the Thirteenth sequel that was to take like the trial of Jason Voorhees. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Can you imagine I mean, if that would have gotten made? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that could have been fun if it's like ridiculous. But if you're watching a if you're watching a, a really super serious courtroom movie, and then all of a sudden Jason Voorhees, yeah, they bring just out walks... the, the the defendant, <laughs> and it's him. Can you imagine if we would get, this is a tangent for sure, but can you imagine if we would get movies like the, um, so like that movie, imagine if it was marketed like just a courtroom drama without a hint of 
being a Friday the 13th, right? And then all of a sudden people go see it and then boom, they get that reveal. Uh, Terminator Genesis, right? If you remember the marketing for Terminator Genesis, it was like a, the big thing was this, these Genesis ads that were very similar to like Apple. Mm -hmm. And there was a big countdown clock to like the launch of Genesis. And it was all very interesting. I thought it was really cool. And if that movie had been marketed as, as sort of this Genesis movie versus like a Terminator movie and kind of revealing all of itself, I wonder how it would have been perceived and what the audience reaction would have been to something like that. But I mean, that's such a like a, a radical, like experimental kind of idea that, you know, when you have to make money, um, you know, you're not going to take those kinds of risks. But I think right. that would be really exciting. If you had the audacity to just go completely 100 percent 180, I would be kind of on board with it. Like, it's just when you kind of just tip, dip your toes in it where it just doesn't really work as either. Like there's this uh, Japanese movie uh, called Dead or Alive. And... Uh, it besides kind of having like a wacky semi wacky like hyper opening montage the movie after that p plays out pretty straightforward as just like a cops and gangsters movie it's pretty you know methodically paced nothing really that wild happens but then at the end of the movie uh the head gangster and the cop have like this like kind of like showdown and they just start pulling out like ridiculous amounts of guns and shooting each other a hundred times and their arms gets blown one of their arms gets blown off and there's all these explosions going off and then at the very last scene the uh cop reaches behind himself and pulls out an eight foot long bazooka and then the gangster reaches into his chest and pulls out his soul they shoot the soul and the bazooka bullet at each other and then the whole world blows up <laughs> <laughs> and it's you're just like what the hell and it's like like that's a power swing right there it's not just kind of being like out of place or trying to shoehorn something in that doesn't fit it's just being like we're doing it and i'm on board with that yeah but that's not what happens in this movie it doesn't take crazy left turns it just takes takes dumb left turns no but i wonder too like like you said if this was even less related to the alien series and if it was presented as such right and i think some of the early trailers were like it it really minimized the alien connection yeah uh, and then as it got closer to the movie then they started to like include some of the alien like musical cues and right and things like that and i don't know it's it's tough to argue uh, uh, audience perception and then also you know we're we are also as we do with pretty much all these movies we're also coming from a perspective of of purity in creation right we're mm -hmm. not we don't have the ability to truly take into account you know uh, rewrites and drafts and uh, you know studio notes and you know all, all the people that had their hand in a screenplay and also in the, the filming process. So it, it would be impossible for us to make all of those considerations. We just kind of have to... Well, absolutely. But at the same time, it's kind of like, regardless of who's responsible for fucking something up, it pro the end product, if the end product is fucked up, it's fucked up. You know, you can sure. be like... The director can be like, well, this wasn't what I wanted to do, so it's not my fault. You know, like, my movie was good. Like, okay, great, but that's not what we got, so it doesn't really matter whose fingers got where, you know. Then we're still dealing with the end result, you know.
Well, then, so where do we go from here on Prometheus? Well, I, have a, I, I do have a question for you on that, and that is one of the key... We really haven't... Talking about the actual connection it has to the Alien franchise, which is the Xenomorphs and the Engineers who appear as the space jockey in the first one, how, how, what do you think of the origins of the Xenomorphs in this one as being basically like bioengineered genetic weapons that the engineers made and then they kind of like lost control of and attacked them. Do you like that explanation for the Xenomorphs and their backstory and origin, or do you think it not doesn't really work? I think that it's a perfectly fine conceptually, uh, and maybe even uh, kind of a... a you know, smarter turn than maybe the aliens even deserve. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, my personal preference, especially with sort of mysterious intergalactic creatures, is that less is more as yeah. far as explanations. Um, I think that especially with, like, the aliens, I thought it was pretty obvious that these weren't, like, there wasn't a ton of depth. It was just oh, dear God, if you go deep enough into the universe, you're going to find organisms that are similar to something that we have on Earth, but absolutely impossible for us to exist in the same food chain as. Right, yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Um, I like the uh, the ambiguity of them. In well, there. we get a we get a perfectly serviceable origin and explanation in the first Alien movie by Ash, right? He he just describes it. it's a perfect organism, right? It, nearly unkillable, um, and you can't stop it. And what more yeah. do you need than that? Totally. And you get like you do get these like hints about like that they might be more intelligent than they seem, or they might have some sort of history and culture. And that's all cool, but like, well, yeah, those I, hints I, are fascinating, right? right it's exactly. not, but going on and on about like, oh, here's how it sees, and here's how it, uh, they communicate, and just like laying all that stuff out in specifics is not interesting. It's not ne- interesting. It's not necessary. And if you're going to do it, I think you have to, you know, you have to, if you're going to try and make the, the origin of something that's had this like elusive origin, you kind of have to swing a little bit bigger than like, they were bioengineered. Now, I do like the idea of the engineers themselves building some sort of biological weapon that churns on them, I, and that's a and that's again where this might be a better story if it wasn't connected to the alien universe. However, I do think the bioengineering of the of the xenomorphs gets a little bit more interesting in the next one, Alien Covenant, which we'll get to, and I think in light of that one, it becomes a better storyline. But I think yeah, if we're gonna learn about where the xenomorphs came from, it should be something a little more grand, you know, than built in a lab. Yeah, and I've never been partial to the concept of the engineers. Even, I mean, the comic books, the Dark Horse comics have uh, sort of explored that to death. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I've never read any of those. It's not, it's just not interesting and it's mm-hmm. not cool or fun. I don't, I don't like it. I think the space jockey, uh, uh, just as a, a moment, in another movie was spine tingling but beyond that i don't think it was necessary to really go uh so far in depth and i think the the subsequent pieces of the story really reveal that uh the engineers are just another 
just another civilization in space, and there's not anything particularly special about them, aside from the setup that we don't really get too much more of, and that's the fact that they uh, have the ability to, you know, terraform and create create life, uh, you know, through their own biology and, and experimentation. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's interesting. And I I also think it's kind of fun to see different stages of the aliens um, based on the host and based on, um, you know, the sort of uh, uh, level of evolution, I guess. Um, like, especially at the end, I love the the scene with the super face hugger, you know, the... the uh, the, what, the, like the giant starfish? Yeah, the creature is removed from Shaw, a human who is impregnated mm-hmm. by... Holloway's sort of mutant sperm and then it grows into this super face hugger that attaches itself to the engineer and then out of the engineer comes this sort of you know this deacon creature that is mildly reminiscent of the alien but still has its own unique characteristics I love the sort of accidental like mad science of all that mm-hmm. um, but that's from like a purely visual standpoint and not necessarily like a broader storytelling perspective. And I, I like, I do appreciate the, the, the things this movie tries to do, you know, kind of basically turning in like this heady 2001 esque type storyline and melding it with a horror movie and the thriller aspects and crazy sci-fi. It's just, all the components are there. They're just not entirely fitting in together. Yeah, and Wayland is not interesting. No. In the least, this sort of, oh, I'd like to discover the origins of life before I die because well, I'm an old I, man. Well, that's what I, but I, I like how quickly he's dispatched, you know? Yes. He's woken up. He's like, I'm the most important person in the world, blah, blah, blah. And then an alien, then an engineer breaks his neck and he's dead. Yeah. You know, at that that moment and the and the fact that he's not omnipresent in the movie and he, we don't even find out that he's on the ship until the end that really works for me you know that the way he's just like he's like he started all this he put all the gears in motions he thinks he's so great he thinks he's going to come here and all this stuff and he's going to be just the greatest smartest guy in the world and then the the smarter guy in the room just snaps his neck in half well, to correct you, uh, he actually gets whacked with the severed head of David and develops a very large hematoma on his head. That is correct. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> David gets his head ripped off. It's easy <laughs> to get confused about <laughs> yeah. that because yeah. that scene is actually... I, I remember seeing this in the theater. I saw this in IMAX 3D, and so that was a hell of an experience. But I remember being very disappointed at that scene. But mm-hmm. without realizing it at the time, what what is happening is that... Uh, uh, Wayland is meeting his maker and he's, he's standing in the f- in front of the face of God looking up at him and what happens when you meet your maker? Well, you find out that they're a vengeful God and that the right. engineer just lashes out violently. Well, not only is he meet, not only is he like he's like Wayland is meeting his maker and then his maker is using Wayland's creation to kill Wayland, you know? Yeah. So it's this like cyclical life cycle of uh it's and like also, the, just and the also, hubris of all living things, right? And also, the the engineers were ki- were were killed off, or 
at least the ones at that station were mostly killed off by the xenomorphs they created. Right. You know, so that is where the the engineering of the xenomorphs could be a, a cool idea, but it's not ex, it's not explored because it just when every time the movie starts to get interesting, it goes to a to a like a okay action scene. I'm really reminded after you said that of a line from our our buddy Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. What's mm-hmm. so great about Discovery? It's a violent, penetrative act. And I think you could say the same about um, creation. Mm-hmm. It seems like a good idea at the time, but man, does it just create a bunch of mayhem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I I, I don't know. That's I, I, kind of all I got on Prometheus. Like I do I think that there are some very uh, iconic sort of monster moments in this yes. uh, this overblown like space movie. Um, I love the 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 surgery scene uh, oh, yeah. on Shaw. I think is incredible and mm-hmm. a, an instant classic. Even though you get a lot of these moments are very reminiscent of the original films, and but you know you. You do really need when you're when you're trying something completely new. Uh, you, I think, you do need some familiarity and yeah. and sort of a common thread. Um, and I mean the the landing on the planet, uh, and you know, getting wrapped wrapped up in in all this stuff in a very similar way to the original Alien is that doesn't bother me. Um, no, not at all. Well, and a lot of these movies too. It's like you might say that like oh the. That they're like kind of going through the motions or they're cliches, but I kind of feel like they're more just filling into like these arch typical stories, these like classic, uh, you know, uh, mythological cr- stories, and that's and that's why they kind of follow this routine and pattern. And if you put in enough interesting ideas and characters and moments, then it brings life to those patterns, you know. Yeah, and what this movie is really doing is just asking a lot of questions, and unfortunately, the answers that you get aren't super satisfying, or, mm-hmm. or, I mean, even you know, sort of full answers. So it's by the end, it and they, you know, when they're jetting off to the the end, what they think is the engineer's homeworld, it's like, well, it's just not very very satisfying unfortunately um aside from the uh you know the creature bursting out of the uh, engineer yeah and you like you said like it's the answers you get aren't that satisfying and the mysteries you're left with aren't that intriguing at that point yeah because of the the build-up hasn't uh hasn't won you know you haven't earned earned the mystery so we kind of go in, we kind of leave Prometheus feeling a little lackluster after like a lot of hype, a really great trailer. They got everyone jazzed up and takes us into alien covenant with pretty low expectations. I think, you know, um, particularly since how awful the trailer for alien covenant was. Do you remember that? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I remember watching it and this, being like because it, it looks like a mix between a luxury car commercial and like a really bad slasher movie and i was like what are <laughs> what are we what are we gonna what are we gonna in for they really and, did try to put emphasis on the horror which i appreciated because yeah. i was ready for after because prometheus was not scary um no. there was a couple of tense moments but it was definitely not a horror movie by any token but 
I really did. The only thing that really bothered me was the reveal of the alien in broad daylight, sort of banging its head on on the yeah, like the, the, the cockpit yeah. of the ship. Yeah, that really was a big huge turnoff for me. Uh, but aside from that, I was I was okay with it. I'm not saying it was necessarily overtly offensive. It just left me. I had no uh, excitement or anticipation for this movie. It is definitely, I think, maybe, do you think it's the most hated Alien uh, sequel or installment? Other, Maybe second to Resurrection? I'm going to have to say yes, just because and- it is so, it's easily, I think I said Resurrection was the nuttiest uh, sequel, but Covenant is nuttier by a country mile. In completely different ways, though. You like? Oh, yeah, definitely. And here, but here's something that might surprise you, Keith. I loved Alien Covenant. Well, so I know I want to ask you about this because the first time I saw it, I did not like it. Mm-hmm. It took me a couple of viewings, and I fell in love with it. So I'm, I think I'm on the same page you are. But did you, from the jump, did you enjoy it? Yes. Now that's now that all that being said, there this movie is a movie not without problems, particularly when you get into the final act. Um, but boy, oh boy, do I love this movie! Does it? I does it? I think it accomplishes a lot of the things that Prometheus set out to do and failed at, and succeeds on them. And it it's one that leaves you leave the movie with some interesting answers and some mystery that you want to see how it pans out and we probably won't get to see unfortunately because everyone was just i think kind of just so feeling so lackluster over prometheus that alien covenant didn't do that great you know no and they really had to pivot it became uh you know prometheus was like there's not enough aliens and then mm-hmm. covenant was like there's too many aliens mm-hmm. well yeah it kind of it is Kind of the the xenomorphs. While I think there's how they work into the story is a lot more interesting in this one. Their presentation is a lot more ridiculous. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the the hallmark of this movie is the very absurd moments uh, yeah. from from you know a tiny alien scampering around and and slipping around in blood like a Warner Brothers cartoon to. Uh, you know, an identical robot kissing itself and then, uh, you know, pu- putting its hands up in a show of solidarity with a, a newborn alien. Uh, it's just, it's it's pretty wacky when you look at a lot of those scenes in isolation, but uh, there's easily an overwhelming amount of, of things uh, to like about it. Well, I mean, I think when you watch this movie, I think going in thinking, okay, this isn't, an alien movie. This isn't a xenomorph movie. This is a movie about a cult leader who happens to be an android and his followers happen to be xenomorphs. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate they, you know, that setting up the title as they did, it really, you know, it alters people's expectations. And right. then you the that trailer definitely had those alien music cues and and was meant to feel like an alien movie. And so even though this is not really an alien movie, it's closer than Prometheus. 
Oh, 100%. But it's still not quite an alien movie, and so it's like, you know, it's it's making those uh, concessions in order to, you know, be, work at the box office and make back your budget and all that, those kinds of things, and get well, people to go out and, and see the movie. I think, too, like, what this movie, if this... If this movie had come out as the first prequel and Prometheus wasn't there, I think it would be much more successful because it's a better movie, in my opinion. It takes a, does explores a lot of the same ideas, but does it much more successfully. You really only need Prometheus to set up David's backstory because you get to this planet and David's there. And But that could be done in flashbacks, you know? You could have this movie be the first installment of this alien prequel story without Prometheus, I think. And I think you would overall would be a more successful more successful uh, storyline going on. That's really interesting. I'm trying to think now, too. I'm trying to imagine in my head what that would look like and how you would kind of squeeze in David's story because I mean there I feel like there's one of the big shortcomings is you don't spend enough time with some of the characters specifically the crew members of the Mm -hmm. of the covenant and there's a cut scene where you know they're from the beginning where they're having dinner together it's called the uh, the the last supper yeah the last supper that's right yeah yeah Yeah. it was included on the I think the blu-ray as a deleted scene and then it's on on youtube um so, like, trying to fit more, uh, sort of cram more story in here. But I think, too, you probably could have minimized some of the kind of meandering scenes. Uh, right. And also, I mean, frankly, like, this is this movie has a lot of action in it. And it's not necessarily that the action scenes are bad, but this isn't an action movie. It's They're not necessary to... Uh, make this movie engaging the, the what makes this movie engaging is the weird mystery and the ulterior motives and what do we what what we do and don't know about david and his, and his goals i mean also if you had so basically here's the setup of this movie for those you don't know it's like there's this spaceship called the covenant that's a going to go colonize a world like that's 12 years away from earth and everyone's in cryosleep and there's Another android named Walter who's the same model as David, so he looks just like David, but he's a different guy. And then there's an accident, a bunch of people. A new a wave of neutrinos. Yeah. Which apparently neutrinos. you're not supposed to be able to see, but we've you see them in this movie. They <laughs> visualize it here because it's a yeah. fucking movie, obviously. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> it causes this accident, wakes people up from the, the crew up from cryo. They have like two thousand colonists in cryo sleep. They don't wake up. Some of the somebody dies. Uh, James, it's James Franco. He dies. Rip James Franco. I love how James Franco in this movie. He has he's just like in a tube asleep and then burns up. Yep, and that's it. His it's only almost, lines later are on a like a video playback. It's almost like Ridley Scott secretly hated. James Franco is like, I'm going to cast James Franco in this movie. I'm going to film a bunch of scenes with him. I'm going to cut all those out, and you're just going to see him in a tube burning alive yeah, <laughs> while he's yeah. asleep. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, and uh, so then they have to try So then they 
they encounter this message from another planet that's also sustaining life, and they decide to go life sustainable, and they decide to go check it out to maybe colonize that one instead. And when well, they, they get also there, it's it's also not just um, a decision to go right. Don't they? Aren't they sort of bound by? Uh, I don't know the Starfleet law or whatever the fuck. No, no, no. That's actually a part, a portion of the conflict. Is because someone one, because we have a new captain. Because it was the captain, James Franco was the captain who died. Oh right. So his second in command is uh, played by Billy Crupp, and then the third in command is an actress I can't remember her name. I really like her, um, but she was the wife of James Franco, so she's in the third in command. And they have like a conflict about whether or not they should go even go to this other planet to check it out yeah but um, there is a lot in his defense of the new fake captain there is a lot of evidence to to support going to this planet oh 100 like it's from not... the from the ten thousand foot view it looks pretty good at, well, at no point did they know that there's going to be a fucking you know ruined temple full of the you know mutilated and burned up bodies of uh, the engineers and nor did they know that there is they were going to find a mad scientist uh, uh, android uh, experimenting you know on these like sick biological uh, mutations so they well, didn't know no it's that's this is what separates the characters in this one from the characters in Prometheus they do a risky thing by going to check out this planet but it's not it's a, a calculated risk. risk right it's not a it's not just like i'm going to stick my dick in this hole and see what happens you know they're also colonists with, right. and i think that's where a lot of sort of the anger you get here you hear a lot of complaints and see a lot of comments about oh the characters are so stupid they're so dumb they're d- dumb idiots and blah 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 listen None of these people are really scientists. There's a medical officer. There's flight officers. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are colonists. They are families. They're husbands and wives who were, uh, there's some security folks, but they were meant to go and, you know, terraform a world similar to Earth. Right. They're yeah. they're not they're not looking out for, uh, you know, oddball plant life that you know, releases microscopic spores that you can barely see uh, that's going to infect them. You know, they're not looking out for that. And they're no. not going to know, also not going to know that those even exist as a result of some of David's experimentation. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're stupid. It's just that they're ignorant to a lot of the facts. And it's well, easy I'm... to be a lot more forgiving. And even some of the goofier stuff where they're slipping in pools of blood right, or yeah. panicking or anything like that, you know, it is highly unlikely that they were prepared for such an emergency like this and uh, for them to, you know, panic and make uh, bad decisions is not um, out of the realm of possibility. Panicking and making bad decisions while you're panicking is a perfectly reasonable That is what most people would do. And most people commenting online on movies would not have the the wherewithal or the mindfulness to do a goddamn thing in any emergency situation. Absolutely. And when people say, like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't run like that. I wouldn't run it. Like, I've been, I talked to no people who say shit like that. And I was like, I've been in mildly stressful situations with you, you know, where, like, the toast is burning and you're freaking the fuck out. Yeah, most people just freeze. But um, also, and I get, too, this is a movie, so you don't always want to see realistic, flawed human reactions, but... It is what it is. I think they work here. I think 
the things that they do that are perhaps risky or, illog- or illogical are earned by the plot and the characters. Also, Billy Crudup's character is a character similar to Shaw who has a lot of like religion and faith, but it's up actual like conflict in the plot. It's not just taken for granted. Like he comments, like people are like, oh, people don't think I can be a real scientist because I, you know, I'm a man of faith, right? It's not just like Shaw going like, I choose to believe that uh, this planet we're going to go to is filled with magic, and everyone just goes like, oh, okay, you know. Well, it's, not even it's not even a conflict of science. It's more of a because uh, uh, he's more of just in a, a leadership position versus yeah. like a science position. That's the thing is they have all the tools and the necessary uh, 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 sort of assets to do what they need to do. They've got the instructions, it, but it, that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that they're uh, you know experts. They're they're essentially. Um, headed out west in a wagon uh to go you know create a farm uh in in uh you know utah having never been to utah Mm -hmm. you know so it's uh it's honestly not terrible and i think i think billy crudup does a pretty good job here as sort of this uh you know doing the best he can but also having issues with his confidence and you know, a little bit of imposter syndrome and wanting the crew to support him and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't think you really get characters like that in space movies. No. It's all very like military type, you know, hard asses and, you know, people who are, uh, you know, headstrong to a fault. And, uh, you know, no. we, we see those same types of characters over and over again, but this mm-hmm. is someone who, you know, in this type of situation and on this type of trip, you don't want someone who has shaken confidence and you want someone who is, uh, mm-hmm. knows exactly what they're doing at all times. And, uh, unfortunately he does not. And he, and it's not just like, Oh, he has shaken confidence. And he's like, Oh, he's just an incompetent dude who cracked under the pressure. Like you sometimes get in movies. Not only is his, his character great. And do I love his character, but Billy, I'll say in general, Billy Crudup is someone who I've never cared for. I've always thought him to be an incredibly bland actor. I think he's, so good in this movie. Yeah, you've had a long-standing uh, distaste for Billy Crudup in just about everything he's been in. Yeah, don't never have cared for him, but I remember yeah. one time you took a copy of Big Fish and you flushed it right down the toilet. Yeah, I did it just because you saw his name above the title. Mm-hmm. I might even do it again. <laughs> how, many, how many copies of Big Fish do you have? <laughs> I always have one, at least one on standby if I get the urge to flush it. <laughs> but uh, no, he's so good in this. And I would say most of the actors are really good in this. Even like some of the just kind of smaller throwaway roles, they're still doing a competent job. Um, it's well cast. It's well directed. It's beautiful. And it's... I don't know. With like I said, like there's there's obviously some problems, and there's a lot of problems in the final act, of just like kind of like head scratchingly like out of the blue, uh, dumb shit. But overall, I mean, this movie takes the bigger swings that I'm saying we're lacking in Prometheus, and hits most of them, I think. And it's such a cool, ambitious movie, and I really wish 
that it had come out perhaps at a different time or before some of the other movies because I think it deserved more respect and a continuation of its story. And, oh wait, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it really does sort of defy, I mean, it's not like an all-time uh, sort of classic movie that every, essential movie that everyone has to watch and should be, you know, put into the film registry or whatever. But at the same time, if it was, if it was called like Blade Runner Covenant or some mm-hmm. shit, because it really is, it's like this marriage of all of Ridley Scott's even though, wait, Ridley Scott didn't direct it, though. Covenant? Yes, he did. He did? Mm-hmm. Hold on. Let's double check. You don't need to. He did. I mean, I believe you, but... Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Weird. Uh, but it's a, such a marriage of Ridley Scott's uh, mm-hmm. most famous works. Like, he really is combining a lot of the philosophies, especially... Uh, some of the things that appeared in the newest Blade Runner, which was not directed by Ridley Scott. No. Uh, You get a combination of all three, but then you also get a really satisfying... I was not a fan of the the complete end of Prometheus, where it's Shaw and David's head flying off into space to have more adventures, and the the sort of Star Trek-y musical theme uh, and all that. I was not not satisfied by that in the least, but the extension you get here of David and Shaw's story is so interesting. Mm-hmm. He really just, he flew off to this planet and after being repaired by Shaw, just went off the deep end and yeah. his, his God complex completely ran amok. And, you know, he destroyed uh, the engineers, every engineer he saw and uh you know turned shaw into essentially a science project to create uh these alien eggs and develop his creatures further and his sort of bestiary is where he houses all of his experiments and his drawings is incredible there's actually an extra extra sort of video tour uh clip on the blu-ray and and on youtube of it and it's just wow it's these and these are the parts where it's so good and like you said if we had more uh, some more of the character moments it would be a little bit it would be even better and we can you know and it's it is unfortunate that that whenever the xenomorphs show up in this one it's kind of uh like tonally out of place and and i think maybe that was just kind of I don't, what do you think? It was it trying to be like, okay, we'll appease the fans, but just going too far or like kind of forgetting the, the what made the Xenomorphs work in the first place? Yeah, I think it was a lot of like, well, we better give the fans what they want so they go see this one. And right. I don't, I'm, I'm sort of less uh, harsh on those scenes. I really love all, most of the alien and creature scenes in this movie, specifically the one in the wheat field at night. Yes. When the, Oh my god! When the alien slithers out of the guy's mouth, uh, and then runs off, and they're you know shooting after it, and their guns have the green laser sights, uh, and then David shows up to save them, and Walter shoves his hand in the the mouth of the creature, and oh, I love that entire scene. I think that scene is so tense and exciting and gross really, and weird. It's really good. I think maybe where it, it 
the aliens don't work the most is how quickly they I feel like they have to you know just like once the aliens show up there it's like okay this scene's got to have an alien in it this scene's got to have an alien in it this scene's got to yeah. have an alien in it and they you know like the chest burster scenes it's just like from infection to bursting it's there's no time there's no there's no moment where characters can really like realize what's going on to them and have some of that same stress that we've had from the other movies and it's just it's just kind of like overloaded perhaps not that the scenes themselves are necessarily bad it's just what you know there's just too many of them like when when they're escaping the planet they have that scene on the outside of the ship fighting the the xenomorph and then they're inside and then instantly there's another one inside you know yeah and i actually think that the the uh, true to form black xenomorph is actually the least interesting uh, part and actually got too much screen time. I agree. Uh, Cause it like scuttling around the ship and all that, and then jumping into the giant claw and like, then it's in the ship and uh, they, they do the thing where you see through the aliens eyes for apropos of nothing. And then yeah. it, then it looks into the camera and smashes the camera like yeah. it's a fucking like '90s like video game commercial. I was like, "Whoa, well, that's, that's what's kind of weird." Like the, a lot of those. Now I think the very final part of how they get the alien off the ship is cool, but everything yeah. else to that is just kind of like, particularly the shower scene. Yeah. Now this scene would be hilarious in a different movie, but it's literally this is what we're talking about Friday the Thirteenth. It is literally a shower, like, oh, slasher yeah, it's movie a slasher. I think I feel like that was almost put in as a joke or, or as it, a shot that to be included in the trailer. I feel like it had to be because, like, you're having these two space people who are like now, like, okay, we're off the planet. What are we going to do right now? We're going to bone. <laughs> they are and, space people, <laughs> <laughs> space explorers, whatever. And then, like, they're playing, like, this, like, sensual, like, music. It's like and, R&B music, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, the, the fucking alien tail comes up in between the dude's legs. Like, oh, what's that supposed to be, you know? Well, and the it's, alien is sh- exhibited no behavior uh, similar to that, to you know, that sort of slow stalking behavior. It's very much frantic and running around like an insect and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. So it really doesn't, it doesn't really fit in. Right. And, you know, and that's kind of the running, the, the not exhibiting alien behavior kind of works with like the proto xenomorphs that we are introduced to at first. Yeah. But once we get to this like quote unquote final form, it should be behaving like the ones we've seen before. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because it is, it's all armored up and it's got the acid for blood and it's all, yeah, it's, it's true to form. And so it's, it should be less. And I know maybe this isn't the final, final stage, but it is so close to that, that true xenomorph that it, yeah, it should have a lot more in common with that creature than, yeah, some of these sort of, these little white, uh, you know, burster creatures that are scrambling around like, you know, like woodland critters. Right. So David is everyone's favorite uh, mega maniacal uh, android who is designed to be the perfect, the perfect human companion. And it did not turn out that way. However, we meet Walter at the beginning, who has a much better haircut, uh, a less formal disposition, but seemingly a simplified version of an android. 
right? He's and, sort and of he's, well, he's he's got an American accent instead of a British accent. Yeah, very f- fake, like like a Pennsylvania accent. I don't know what the, yeah. the accent is, uh, but you still find some similarities with Walter where he he comes into conflict with his human crew members and they do sort of have like a minor amount of disdain. Yeah. They're not him. as overtly abusive, but it is just like, okay, robot, let the humans talk. Yeah. Yeah. There's in fact, there's a scene with Billy Crudup and Walter where I can't remember what they're talking about, but uh, he starts talking over Walter and Walter is like, I'm sorry. Was that a, was that a question? He's like, yes, yes, Walter, that was a question. And it's like, whoa, what? It's like an odd sort of like, like, what is boiling over here? Like, did this guy like hit on your wife or something? Like, it's a weird like bit of tension. It's a, it's, it's, it is, he's aggravated that the robot is smarter than him. Yeah. It's like everybody, you know, and it's, I mean, obviously this happens with technology today when someone's, when people are pissed off that, like, why can't I work this thing? Why can't, like, is this, does this channel changer think it's better than me, you know? <laughs> now, sometimes there's some genuine frustration, you know, where it's just like, I can't get this fucking thing to work. It never works right. But, I mean, that's a legitimate thing that people have. People have, seem to have, like, some sort of animosity uh, towards, like, personal animosity towards technology because it's, better than they are at something right and then so imagine if those technology pieces that you already disdain had a face and could talk back to you yes (laughs) uh yeah so and like clearly he's the character who's like set up as being like uh believing in miracles and faith and stuff and walter is just very much like well this is how things work and how they don't work i can't make magic happen for you and but he goes but i believe in magic you know yeah He's sort of he's very rigid, but I mean that's what I like about about him. He's very by the numbers, uh, and mm-hmm. then I mean it really sort of heats up. Though we don't get to spend as much time with Walter uh, as as we did with David, but you get a no. sense that Walter does, similar to all the other robots, he values human life and he protects um, uh, Danny. Uh, early on from one of the the uh, protomorph creatures by he hits it with a, a big time uh, wrestlemania style shoulder tackle mm-hmm. and uh and then also puts his puts his hand in its mouth which is super gross and a very strange way to attack it but i guess with his knowledge of biology and things like that he would uh he would attack in that way but by the time Walter and David meet. A lot has happened, and and instantly Walter is mesmerized by David. And I'm not sure if it's because of his haircut or what, but he is sort of he looks alarmed for the first time in the movie. I think movie. it's his. I think it's his independence, and uh, David or Walter even comments on that. There in one of their discussions how uh walter can't learn how to play a song on a flute or can't or can't or can't not he can't learn but he can't just do it he can't create music right and he's he's done they took away the act of creation because creation is inherently evil and they don't want evil robots (laughs) right and 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 so i think he is mesmerized 
by David in the sense of like, well, he's just like me, but can do all this other stuff. But also he definitely recognizes the danger in David sooner than anyone else. Yeah, I know? think he sees, yeah, his his expressions of, um, oh, what just happened there? Well, he also probably uh, recognizes the frustrations that David had and what led him to becoming uh, led him to becoming this megalomaniac robot. But uh, Walter's programming prohibits him from do, having that ability. You know? Right, and obviously the, the dialogue indicates that enough time has passed that uh, Walter knows all about what went wrong with the David model. And mm-hmm. why they sort of recalled it and 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 changed it, um, but yeah, you the the flute scene. It's really good, and I for <laughs> hold the flute like so. I'll, <laughs> I'll do the fingering. Welcome, brother. <laughs> for as little interaction as they have, a lot goes on between them. Yeah, and it's and Michael Fassbender is so good in these movies and particularly in this one where he's doing the dual roles yeah it's pretty like we all laugh at the accent uh for walter especially but it's he's doing an incredible job here like i really like the walter accent it's just like it it's literally like someone's like well, i'm gonna make your basic mom and pop down home country boy robot sure well that's yeah what they did you know and the david is like the the, the two perfect englishman robot you know yes. like uh the the complete like archetype stereotype of what you expect a proper you know an intellectual yes exactly to be so you're playing off these two opposites of the same coin and it's a a human programmer like making these people these ways and these computer programs who who obviously have their own thoughts and feelings and stuff but are bound by their programming particularly walter bound by his programming operating into this thing it's like well i have to be this way you know yeah and i like the program to be I like that the accent does sort of sound artificial because yes. uh, on the on the road to creating a a voice or accent that is you know devoid of emotion and devoid of inflection you're probably invariably going to f- discover some uh, like a kind of an oddball tone to it. Mhm. Because like how do we escape inflection and how do we cuz even monotone people sort of it's still hard for them to avoid those emotional trappings like invariably they they bubble to the surface absolutely let's just do a whole episode on the accent on david (laughs) david's accent (laughs) but yeah they're there the tension that starts evolving between them is actually kind i feel like it takes center stage and the the alien shit like the the crew members being picked off stops being really interesting and it's it's all about what's happening next with the cat and mouse game between walter and david well even as the aliens are being picked off this is where like things that maybe don't make sense are okay because they're ambiguous enough like david's goals are so and ambiguous like why is he just like He's like done this whole scheme to lure these people here, so seemingly to try and get off the planet with his aliens. But then once they're there, he just like like lets the aliens run amok and kill them, and like makes it so obvious that he's pulling the strings like right out of the gates. And he's just kind of basically kind of like, yeah, I'm doing it. What are you What are you guys gonna do about it? 
and like his goals are so just like up in the air that it is yeah the alien stuff is not as interesting because it's the background to him you know and and like everything that they do are just like things he makes them do on a whim essentially you know when you don't realize it either but the conversation at the very beginning of the movie between wayland and david which is sort of a flashback it sets up everything that's going to happen and it it it's the moment where that sets david on his path to this god complex that he develops because he realizes that the person who created him is flawed and has no idea um, about his own creator, right? Right. Uh, but he also realizes uh, that his creator is mortal and flawed and will die, and he will live on, and he's sort of this this perfect being. Right. Like, he, yeah, he right out of the gates kind of goes like, hmm. Yeah. He's doing the math on on humanity, right. and he's not not buying it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's all this all this stuff. All these things are so cool, and you know, yeah. Like maybe like some of the aliens, the xenomorph stuff is a little weird and out of place, and seems like from a different movie at times. And it gets all these harsh criticisms because it's not the alien movie. Some, like you said, not the alien movie that some people wanted or you can't unlink yourself from it. Imagine if this movie wasn't an American movie. It was exactly the same, but yeah. it wasn't an American movie. And instead of xenomorphs, it was just like weird insect insectoid or, aliens. Or just wolves. Or what, if wolf, it, what if it was just wolves? Like just a familiar creature that was like sort of dangerous and he was right. just breeding wolves. And this, yeah, if it was like this was like a German movie, everybody would love this movie. Oh, yeah, it would be there brilliant. Would be, yeah. There would, yeah be, there would be no question about how great this movie is. But because it's set, uh, it's set up in this pre existing world with expectations and the fact that most people just want to be a party pooper, uh, it gets so much unfair flack. Some fair flack, but a yeah. majority unfair. No, and I mean, I, I would. It's rare that I, I don't think I would ever call any movie perfect, but this movie is like essentially all the movies we talk about on here is uh, a movie that is uh, flawed, but invariably exciting and interesting and great for a lot of reasons. And I remember seeing it. So I saw um, I saw this movie <laughs> in 4DX. I remember you, you telling me. Are this you familiar thing. with the concept of 4DX? Yeah, I've experienced it at some amusement parks on like rides. Yeah, so it's a a movie theater concept where all the seats are on hydraulics, and so during pivotal scenes, like say floating in space, the seats will will raise up and and move around, and you'll feel the sensation of floating, like on a, a an amusement park ride. But then there's also water effects and then there's also air effects so when something explodes you'll get blasted with an air cannon and when it's raining or when uh some blood splatters you'll get spritzed with water and so i'm sitting in the theater floating around in space and getting hit by a neutrino wave and then when the the first uh backburster comes out of the the security guy in the uh the clinic um i get spritzed in the face with water um 
And then during the pivotal the fight scene between David and Walter, where they're doing that sort of close quarters martial arts, uh, my seat's getting jerked around. Same with during the the big scene uh, with the alien running around the ship as they're trying to to get off the ground. You know, my seat's jerking around and to and fro, and uh, it's wild as shit. But just in spite of all that, in spite of being in this alien inspired amusement park. I was actually kind of uh, perplexed by the movie. I was just left really confused at what I saw and uh, was just really scratching my head over the whole thing. But in subsequent viewings of it at home, it, it would just like, it become more and more interesting the more I watched it. I developed an affinity for it just because it was so, it took so many risks and was just... Right out there and it became like i started to really come into focus that this wasn't you know the main point of this movie wasn't about colonists and it wasn't about aliens it was about (laughs) the journey the descent of madness uh by this uh, artificial intelligence which is Mm -hmm. something you don't really get to see and so yeah maybe it was out of place in an alien movie but i don't know i'm pretty pretty happy with uh what i got yeah, I will also think about like you know like you're saying like you, you walk out scratching your head, but the like the environment that you saw it in obviously, it's emphasizing the scenes in the movie that are, that are perhaps feel the most out of place in the movie. You know the action scenes, and I like how you brought up backbursters because they're not chest bursters in this movie, and all the xenomorph stuff. It's like, well, this one, they're going to rip out your back and they're going to pull your spine out, you know? And, like, yeah. you kind of get this impression that, like, when the, the, that the way the xenomorphs are being presented is these aren't your grandfather's xenomorphs, you know? No, and I like that randomness yeah. of, like, d- depending on how you get infected, uh, right. it's going to be slightly different. And it's not, like, a gimmicky way, like, oh, if it infects a rhino, the uh, it's going to come out with a rhino horn. Right, yeah, no, but I meant in the but like that coupled with like this amped up action xenomorph coupled with the fact that you're sitting on floating seats and they're spraying crap at you, like you're at a you're like a, on a you know Universal Studios ride. It's one hundred percent going to distract from all the other stuff, or at least make the other stuff feel completely out of place from what's going on, you know, in the environment that you're in. Well, and it, it was distracting in a lot of ways, but then. You know, being in the theater to witness some of the the goofier moments, like I remember being very mad when uh, one of the characters slipped in blood, uh, and then the the alien was sort of scrambling around like a like a newborn puppy that hadn't mm-hmm. found its legs yet. And I was like, if you put wacky cartoon music behind this, it would be so stupid. And I was just grumbling about it. And then later on, when the alien comes out of uh, uh, the captain and uh, you know puts its arms up and it sort of has this heavenly light like the spotlight shining on it I expected it to put on like a top hat and start dancing <laughs> and I was like what the hell is this shit? I love that part I'm still scratching my head at it I don't know what the point of it is but I just got myself to that point where it doesn't matter and it doesn't it doesn't upset me because it's not a big deal because once you finish the movie and get through it, then you look back on everything that's happened and it's, it's such a roller coaster ride. Yeah. That I'm definitely willing to take again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I mean like, 
when it comes to this movie, like obviously there are movies that are tighter in the series. Uh, of course, the first one and the, the second one. But I don't know. I like I just admire, like you said, the the risks it takes, the the presentation, the visual aspect of the look of it for the most part I, this is really up there for me in all these in all of the out of all of these it's that feeling of okay where are we going next yeah exactly. what's around the next corner who the fuck knows and being yeah. surprised uh and and sort of dazzled and confused those are fun feelings to have at the movies and you uh, don't yeah. get them a lot especially if you're constantly seeing things that are so familiar and I think you have to be ready to admit to yourself, if you want to see the same fucking thing over and over again, okay, I've watched uh, Friday the 13th Part 6 like a hundred times because I want to see that same shit over and over again. Right. And that's well, o- that's okay, but like if you're going to see something new, prepare yourself for something new and be right. and be open to it. Right, if you want to watch... The, the same old crap you can just go like you said go back and watch a movie you've already seen nothing wrong with that but yeah this one's really 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 up there for me and I really wish that I had seen it in the theater because um, having been just kind of like a lackluster like I said really enjoyed Prometheus but still felt kind of just like eh about it at the same time I, I was initially like yeah I'll go see Alien Covenant in the theater and then I just didn't you know it wasn't like a a conscious choice not to it was just like i didn't get around to it and then i did saw it when it came out late uh for either streaming or video or whatever and i was like instantly i was just like man i should have seen this movie in the theater yeah there's definitely a few movies that uh i wish i would have seen in the theater and then a lot of movies that i'm glad i did yeah freddy versus jason being one of them that was a lot of fun to see in the theater. I can imagine that one being fun in the theater. And you know? yeah, there is another movie. Uh, we'll get back to um, uh, Covenant here in a second. But uh, Grindhouse, I was really glad to have seen in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when that trailer came out and, you know, sort of the concept was explained that it was this double feature with an intermission. I thought, holy shit, this is never going to happen again. Yeah, because totally. it's either going to, uh, it's either going to completely bomb and never, never want to be produced again, or it's going to be a major success, and it's just going to get ripped off uh, over and over again, and yeah. and never feel fresh or interesting. I was like, I got to go see this, and mm-hmm. and me and my friend went to see it on like a Saturday night uh, opening weekend. We got there like an hour early because we were like, oh, God, there's going to be a huge line out the door for this movie. Right. Well, Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez. Holy shit. There was like 10 people in line. Nobody. Yeah. And they were guys exactly like us who were like, well, we thought this <laughs> right. was going to be a big deal. And it there there ended up being like 20 people in the theater total. And we, right. were like, we couldn't believe it because it was so cool. It was so much fun uh, to sit there and and see a double feature type movie with the fake trailers and the intermission mm-hmm. and all the, the whole gag of it was like so much fun. And so that's one movie that I'm really glad that I got to see in the theater because I, I, you know, history proved me right. Like it did not work out and it has never been done again. No. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So anyway, though, <laughs> <laughs> alien covenant, 
let's talk about the ending because yes, uh, the climax of the movie obviously is the big alien battle between you know Danny and the 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 ultimate xenomorph. Um, and I think prior to that, you get the big fight scene between David and Walter, and seemingly, mm-hmm. uh, two men two men enter and one man leaves. But I think there's always a little bit of suspicion who which one which one was the victor and which one came out because these two guys are identical and like seemingly Walter comes out but I think did you when you were watching it did you always have the suspicion that it was probably actually David I definitely got that uh I d- I didn't have that sort of I know exactly what's going to happen but right. I remember when he uh the 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 fight scene sort of ended and then uh Walter seemingly emerges and as I was sort of staring at him, I was like, wait a second. Are they going to do what I think they're going to do? And I yeah. sort of like looked around like side to side to see if anybody else was reacting to it. And I was like, huh, maybe I'm reading into this too much. I mean, I think I think it was definitely a thing that could go either way. But I think it was intentional that you were supposed to have doubts because you don't see who actually wins the fight you know the right. camera cuts away i think then, that's cool too i know a lot yeah. of people like get mad when things happen off camera when watching a movie but i think that's cool like being able to make your own inferences and being suspicious and paranoid and experiencing yeah. sort of that roller coaster of emotions yeah, I think it really works. And then what ends up happening is you like you like you said we have these big action scenes, and then Walter's on the ship. There's only two other than the 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 other colonists, like the two thousand colonists that were in suspended animation of the the actual crew. There's only two survivors, which is the character Danny, and then the character Tennessee, played by Danny McBride. And Walter's putting them into cryo sleep, and then our suspicions are confirmed. It's not Walter at all. It's been David the whole time, and he lets. He lets the the crew know that it's him before right before they fall asleep and can't do anything about it. And he has a great line that says, Don't let the bed bugs bite. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes and barfs up a bunch of <laughs> Oh. I <laughs> love that so much. Are you kidding? I could it's... not I fucking lost my mind when that happened. I that's just like regurgitating these little balls of alien embryos if someone had said by the end of this movie uh the the evil robot wins and he's off to continue his experiments guess how uh he's gonna do that i would not have not in a million years been like oh he's uh smuggling the eggs in his stomach like of like a balloon full of cocaine this is 100 percent not no no question no hyperbole my favorite ending of any alien movie <laughs> like and what by, what's the song by, by a long shot what's the song that he requests it's uh, uh the the it's gods like the, entering valhalla or something like that yes uh-huh like yeah it's it's, it's so it's, good yeah it's you reached the the peak of mad scientist david here it's so so much fun i mean honestly I like the ending so much that the the entire movie could have been complete dog shit. And if we had that ending, I'd be like, I'm, a, I'm on board for the next one. 
yeah whatever 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 like just let's go you get a satisfying climax you get a exciting cliffhanger and now i'm excited to see the only thing i'm going to be disappointed at is if we don't get to see very much of david just uh being a fucking nutcase of a geneticist you seem you talking about in a follow-up movie yeah i want to see i want to see an entire uh like 10 minute montage of him just like going through generation after generation of alien alien mistakes and like oddball creatures uh just experimenting on all those frozen colonists and if i I don't don't, i'm gonna be like very disappointed i'm gonna set myself up for disappointment now i'm gonna be one of those people but that i mean with him puking up those eggs uh you know, that's uh, that's where it seems to be headed, and that's I where I want to go. Get a follow up. I don't think we're going to get a follow up. Yeah, probably not. Honestly, at least not at least not in the uh, in the this storyline. We might get a, we'll, we'll probably get another Xenomorph movie eventually, but we're not going to see this storyline continued, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Most likely, it'll jump ahead. I know that the the talk, the big talk, is the movie that sets up the first alien like getting getting that connective tissue where how did that ship get on lv wait wait did they set down on lv 426 in the first alien me i probably i don't i mean i really honestly don't keep track of the number names of the planets the fuck man i can't that sounds that sounds right though yeah 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 because it's the same place also that is a that is something that's a little perplexing about the way these prequels are setting up the origins of the aliens and or the xenomorphs and the engineers and stuff because in the first alien movie when they get to that you know pyramid on the planet and they go in and they find all the eggs and the and the uh the engineer who's like obviously had a chest burster jump out of him. He's completely fossilized. He's not just like, uh, he's not just dead and like rotting. He or mummified. They they comment that he's like a fossil and has been here for like tens of thousands of yeah, years. Yeah, it's old as shit. So, so how's that gonna work? Yeah. So either they were that was something that they were gonna completely ignore, or tie in as a separate side story. I don't know, but we'll never know now. No, we won't. We're never gonna. F- we're never gonna find out. Unfortunately. Do you think now that we're kind of wrapping up the these main movies in the series? Do you think you have a definitive ranking, or is that something that you even would attempt to do or care to do? You know, I watched a. <laughs> Last night. I was watching some Covenant clips and I came across this kid's YouTube channel and he's like a, he's a movie kid. He's can't be more than 20 years old and he has got a thick Irish accent and you know, he's got his little camera set up aimed at his, his bedroom wall with all his little posters on it and everything. And he was doing a definitive, a definitive ranking of the alien films. I was like, okay, cool. Let me, let me check this out. Let me see what the youth of today think. This kid proceeded to 
one by one rank these films exactly as hundreds of thousands of other people would do right. exactly. Uh, uh, you know, Prometheus and Alien 3 are the worst, and Alien Resurrection is also one of the worst, and Alien 3 is so mean and ugly, and the color scheme is gross and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, Aliens is the best, and Alien is one of the best, and these are well-made films and blah, but just the same. Like, I could have predicted it just by right. guessing what he would he would say, and it was really disappointing. I was like... And not to just be, like, contrarian, but it's okay to look at these movies and, you know, like just exist in a world where aliens isn't your favorite. Like, it's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, you don't have to just say that because you don't know any better, you right. know? Like, well, I, I hate, and I, I hope that now, I hope that now there are people who maybe Prometheus and Covenant are their first alien movies. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, well, you know, I appreciate, um, the, the groundwork and what, you know, Alien and Aliens did, but Covenant's my favorite. Right. I, I, I hope I live long enough to experience that generation. It's funny because it's like these lists are like, they're so dumb. I mean, they're fun, but that's, but they're dumb because they should, the list should be fun. Like, it's like, what do you like? Not like what, not like what everyone else says is the best. And inevitably, like you said, it's like this kid, like he ranked them exactly the way you would expect. Or even if it's not that, it's like it's still like you, any list of any like series, and someone's ranking them. Even if there's a little bit of mix up, the worst movie's always the same, and the f- best movie's always the same, and they just rearrange in the middle, you know? Yeah. Um, like there's so many where it's just like, like, yeah, the first movie doesn't have to be the best movie, or the, the I don't know. It just no. Yeah. Like, there's people who they love uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels, which are invariably, like, not maybe not as fresh as the original. But at the same time, the original is an old-ass independent movie shot on film, looks like shit, sounds like shit, uh, is acted like shit by, you know, a bunch of inexperienced people. Right. But those are the same reasons other people love it. And I think it's... It's that difference of opinion that some people are like, well, no, I actually prefer the wacky comedy and surrealism of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. That's my favorite. Um, but I recognize the historical significance of the first one. Yeah. But it just looks, it's too much of a dumpster fire for me. And then conversely, other people think that because that looks so shitty and it seems like newsreel footage or a documentary, that uh, that's their favorite. Or maybe part three is their favorite because it's, sort of slick and has that new line sheen to it and and Leatherface looks like uh the wrestler mankind and he gets to fight um Ken Foray and mm-hmm. you know there's cool curse words and whatever the fuck or you know the one with Matthew McConaughey where he has the robot arm is their favorite like that's exciting I like to hear from those people because it's something new and a fresh perspective it's not just the same regurgitated like blah 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 yeah so yeah, I don't know. I think I I like to base my favorites on the ones I watch the most because I might right. I might think that you know, I used to think that Aliens was my favorite and it's still really good, but 
like pound for pound, uh, it's either Resurrection or Alien 3 is my favorite. Probably Resurrection, though, because it's the most fun to watch. And I've probably, at this point, I've probably watched it the most out of any movie in the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know exactly how I would rank them either. I mean, one, just because, uh, as we've stated throughout this our little series here, that every movie is so different in its own way that it's like, well, are you going to compare a horror movie to an action movie? Like, well, right. one's the, a really good horror movie, one's a really good action movie, but that, you know, it's hard to rank them like that. I will say that Covenant keeps going up the ranks for me. And like, it, it can't be the one I've watched the most, obviously, because it's the newest, but yeah. when I've, you know, I've watched it two, I think maybe two or three times, three times now. Yeah. Cause I watched it again for this, doing this episode and, Man, like, it just it, it just feels different each time I watch it, you know? It maybe doesn't feel the best, but I'm getting, like, little things and, and crap and different experience while I'm watching it that I'm not getting from the rewatching some of the other ones, you know? Well, and how many times can you see one of those older movies and eventually you're going to stop finding something new, especially right. with Aliens, uh, just because it is like a, a fairly straightforward like action thriller. It's well done and it's awesome, but at, at some point it just becomes like, like you're, you're, you're not eating corn dogs anymore every day because you like the taste. You're just doing it because that's what you do. Right. It becomes like you know. muscle memory instead of uh, something that you're actively engaged with. And I think that's at least movies that are, are, don't do what you want them to. They're actively engaging with you and they're challenging you to pay attention. And mm-hmm. even if you don't like what you see. And that's what I think is the most exciting thing about Covenant was I, I sort of got upset at first. And I was like, well, let me let me take a look again. And the more I right. looked, the more I was I was challenged and I was interested. Well, that yeah, absolutely. And it's like I think this is a movie that even if you don't like it, you can't it's harder to just dismiss as a bad movie. Now a lot of people have obviously done that, but that's a kind of a careless, you know, uh, move and that's why I say it, it's got an unfair shake. Not necessarily the fact that people don't like it, that but people went in prime to say this sucks. And well, and the notion kind of, that this is incompetent filmmaking is so fucking absurd. Oh, 100%. Like a production like, of that scale and magnitude is not, that's not incompetence. Like, look how good this movie looks, you know? Look how well everything is orchestrated. Even this, even the stuff that we criticized as maybe seeming out of place in a vacuum is expertly, like executed for the most part you know yeah i mean uh, even there, even something like the as shallow as the cgi like there's lots of complaints about that but guess what they also attempted to create this like fully rendered uh 3d creature in like daylight and also the brightness of like uh the infirmary on the ship i like, don't think this like they they took the they didn't take the the easy way out and try to hide it in shadow. 
they attempted to do it in broad daylight and it, and the most difficult they took the most difficult path if you want to criticize the cgi in terms of realism like that's just ludicrous like you may not like the way that something moves or like the, the the stylistic choice that was made and when i say the way something moves like not that it's not moving like it's not following it follows physics you just don't like the particular decision to make it move a certain way or or i don't like the way it walks i don't like this like well those are stylistic choices not technical execution of like everything has weight and body to it everything appears like tangible and physical i don't i never really maybe with maybe like one or two shots did i get the idea like oh i'm watching a cartoon you know but other than that, I think it's completely, like, really, really well done, a CGI. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. I think there was maybe a, like, the full-size protomorph moments, um, like, where it's just standing there. Yeah. And then sort of lashes out. Uh, I remember not really being too into that. But it's also, like, that's also, like, a really tough... Uh, creature to work with because it sort of has this like white translucent skin Mm -hmm. and the that that lighting was sort of dark and i don't know i would probably look at it again but i have like i have literally have no complaints about the the special effects practical or otherwise yeah and i mean even then too like the the aliens scampering all around this ship uh in the climax um that still looks pretty good. And I guess there's a certain shots had a blend of CGI and practical effects, which are hard to pick out. It's hard to mm-hmm. like, like really identify that. So, I mean, one thing I you noticed... also can't, you can't just rely on suits forever. No, which is, you know, that's just an unfortunate reality. Like the only constant is change. And so that's just going to be an inevitable, inevitable, you know, thing in these movies because they need a certain creature to do anything, something, and you can't just do it with suits and puppets. No, I mean, obviously there's bad CGI all of, in lots of movies. We see it all the time. And there was definitely an era when CGI was new and people were just like, well, we can do anything. And you got, you got some really, really bad CGI, but I'm not a CGI hater at all by any means. You know, I think it's definitely overused sometimes. And just because you have this new tool, you don't stop using the old tool and I th- also think we've seen a kind of a return to um, some a lot of practical effects and practical effects themselves even getting better, you know, or using a mix creatively where it's like, oh, hey, this is a guy in a suit, but we're going to paint some stuff out digitally to, you know, change the overall uh, anatomy. But when you come to people, I think people just go in with this concept of hating CGI so much that if they see something they don't like, they assume that it's CGI or even if or if they don't don't even realize that someone actually pulled it off practically, they're just going to call it CGI. I remember talking about to somebody and they were criticizing something in the new uh, It movie. And they said like, oh, this scene was terrible because it was all CGI. And like I had watched the making of that scene. I was like, it was a completely a practical effect. And I was like, that fact effect was 100% practical. And like, I refuse to believe that. I'm like, why? Like just so you can like stand on this soapbox and of like, uh, be, being the smartest guy in the room, you know. That's insane. What scene was it? 
I don't. Re- I at the at this moment now I don't recall. I just remember it was just really funny because they brought it up, and I literally had just watched like a behind the scenes thing about it, and like I saw that it was, it was like a completely practical character in front of a green screen that was like implanted into the screen. So it was like some Pennywise scene where it was all makeup, and uh, he was like filmed in the green screen and inserted into it, you know. Um, and it was just like, they were just like so adamant that that was impossible, that it was, uh, a practical effect. It was just because they didn't think that they could do that practically and just made the assumption that it had to be CGI and then decided to hate it. You know, they just refused to admit what they were seeing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's, (laughs) that's such a great portrait. Like movies require like your participation. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to, like, cross your arms and, like, turn your back on a movie just because you want to be petty, like, I don't know. Go watch uh, something else. There's yeah. there's plenty of stuff to watch that isn't a movie. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what? Um, I don't know what I was going to say. Well, I mean, that just about does it for covenant and prometheus two of yeah. the most exciting entries in the series whether uh whether or not you know you like them yeah totally like yeah you can definitely they'll leave you with something that's for sure it's not a bland experience well so does this mean now that we've reached the end of sort of the the alien journey are the Egg Chronicles over? You know what? I don't think so because guess what? We got weird spinoffs. We got AVP, Alien vs. Predator, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, ripoff movies like Forbidden uh, uh, Planet and uh, what's the, the, the Galaxy of Terror. You know, we got plenty to talk about. Yeah, so 20. there will be there will be another installment of the Egg Chronicles. We're gonna we're gonna keep it going and sort of just chit chat about the the lasting effects and sort of the the splatter on the wall created by uh, the Alien series. Absolutely, yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm actually kind of bizarrely excited to talk about Alien versus Predator. That's gonna be a funky one for sure because I know those movies are. They're a whole whole different beast, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, that's why kind of like they kind of go into the realm of movies that are just, not, even they, they get, they, you lump them in with just like the alien ripoffs because they're, they're their own thing, you know? Oh, 100%. And in one movie trying to cram so much mythology and style and and the essence of the, the respective source materials... It's a nearly impossible feat. That's why it's been relegated to comics and things like that for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of an unfair position for the director and crew and everybody to be in, but they certainly gave it a try, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about how it went. Yeah, we'll give it its due. So yeah, thanks guys for tuning in for this one. We got one more A Chronicles coming up, and uh, we'll see you later. And until next time, the hive is closed. Goodbye, everyone.